Hello, friends. This is an ad for BAM Sales Enablement. Now, BAM is our proud sponsor. We love Tom Paul. I really like the BAM Sales Enablement tool. So I'm going to tell you what I like about it because I can relate being a marketer who sold through distribution, who had a remote sales team spread from New Jersey all the way out to Escondido, California, and all points in between, including very rural places like Watertown, South Dakota or Salina, Kansas. And so uh, my sales team, when they would go visit manufacturers, would need to get collateral on demand. They would be in plants, they'd be on their phone, they'd be trying to show people stuff. They'd have to go back into their SUV and grab hard copies and flip through pages and like give it to them. It seemed kind of archaic and inefficient, right? What if, it, what if there was an app where you could access it on your phone or your tablet find all of your sales and marketing collateral very neatly organized for each of your product categories and be able to get it without needing an internet connection. Well, that is what Tom Paul and the folks at BAM Sales Enablement have created. It's an awesome tool, but it's not just like, oh, I can get my catalogs here. No, 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 no. It has more things than that. It has, among other things, sales calculators, because everyone loves sales calculators. You want to get ROI. You want to see what initial investment looks like. They can build that for you. It's not they have stuff out the box, but they'll also just build a custom calculator for you if you ask them. Um, they have analytics, so you can see, well, which of my sales collateral is actually you know drumming up interest? What is having the most impact on people? That's good to know. Push notifications. So instead of having to send a mass email out to your team or ping everyone on Salesforce, on chatter, which is annoying because you're like, who wants to read a Salesforce blast notification about a catalog update? No, just send a push notification via the BAM Sales Enablement app. But the best feature they have is they have an offline mode. So you do not need an internet connection to use BAM Sales Enablement, which is great. Your distributors will use it, your manufacturers reps can use it, and your remote sales team can use it as well. It's a wonderful tool, okay? So my recommendation to you, I've shown this to a few people now. Everyone I've seen who has been shown this tool likes it a lot. I think you'll like it too. If you fit this kind of industrial niche where you need access to your collateral in a more timely manner. So go visit bamsales.io. Go request a demo with Tom. Watch him walk you through the tool. He will give you an amazing use case of whether you need it or not. It's no pressure. He just wants to show it to you. So Go to bamsales.io, contact Tom Paul, get a demo, see if this is going to help your sales team sell more and give your products a nice feature and showcase in the best light with this really cool white labeled app. It'll look like literally part of your company. So bamsales.io, contact Tom Paul. Thank you to our proud sponsors. Now let's get to the show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Industrial Marketing Show, the number one podcast for marketers still out there in the worldwide world, the manufacturing space, still the number one podcast for marketers in the manufacturing space. So I am one of your hosts, Matthew Shinella. And I am MJ Peters. All right, MJ. So we had someone reach out to us wanting to be a guest on the show, which again, if you all want to be a guest on the show um, and you have something interesting to talk about, please do, because I would love to have you on to discuss your your kind of career journey or just like how you're making changes at your company, especially if you're in the industrial space. And so uh, Yele Schutz, and I hope I pronounced that right, uh, who is the SEO content lead for Dutch company Eric's reached out and wanted to definitely talk about kind of Eric's 
um, philosophy change in marketing, uh, which was very pandemic related. And so with that, I want to welcome Yele on the show. Yele, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, uh, MJ and Matt. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, you almost got my name right. I'm not going to correct you on that. It was close enough. And, uh, That's okay. <laughs> well, I think I, I nailed the first half of your brief. So uh, be a guest on the show. Now I just have to be interesting. Yes, exactly. That won't. I don't think that'll be too hard. I think you can manage that, right? All right. So I wanna. I wanna first give you a a minute or so to just introduce yourself, a little bit about your background, and then describe Eric's. I wanna. I want people to kind of get a sense for who Eric's is as a company, what you all do, who you do it for, and what your customers are like. Yeah. So a bit about myself. I run content and SEO for Eric's. So I was basically overseeing, uh, yeah, content marketing and search engine optimization. Um, I've been at Eric's since March last year, so it was just pre-pandemic when I joined. And um, yeah, before that, this is actually my first foray into manufacturing. So before that, I've never been into manufacturing. Um, and Eric's as a company, we're both a distributor and a service provider. So we service both MRO and OEM companies. And I think one of the... Uh, one of our benefits and also the downsides is the size of our company. We're really big. We're six and a half thousand people. Uh, we're in 12 countries. We have eight different business units and we service around 26 different markets. So it's, it's, uh, it's really a behemoth and it's, it's really interesting to do uh, content marketing and search engine optimization for. For sure. I want to actually, before I get into the questions that I had written, I want to, I want to get a sense because you, you walked in at a, and really like a turning point kind of for the company and for the, the world in, in a lot of ways. Yes. Like, what, what were you expecting going into that company, it being your first foray into industrial? And then um, what was, once you kind of were in, how did your perceptions of that change? Um, I think I tried to go into it quite uh, with a blank slate, you know, not too many expectations. I think that's always the, the best thing to do because you always get surprised. Um, I do have a bit of a technical background. I did a short stint at a data and AI consulting company as their in-house marketeer. So I'm used to work with technical people and sort of my background is partially in video games. So, which is also, of course, a bit more technical. Um, yeah, that was good fun. Um, but yeah, I think what I came in expecting, uh, I knew that Eric's was still very much a sales oriented organization. So not very marketing orientated. Uh, so I really did expect to to have to do a lot of, of change management, massaging. And actually, I think that that's sort of the case. But um, I've been really, really pleasantly surprised by the enthusiasm people have for, for yeah, sort of demand gen, content marketing inbound. Um, and there's really basically more demand for our services right now in marketing than, uh, yeah, we're able to handle it, but there's a lot of things that we could do. Was the enthusiasm for demand gen and content marketing there when you arrived? Is that why you got hired or did you have to kind of come in and be the evangelist for content marketing and demand gen in the organization and change people's perceptions? Um, there had definitely been a lot of evangelizing been done. Um, some of my colleagues have definitely uh, done a lot of the, the grunt work before me. So I was able to, uh, to capitalize on that. And um, yeah, I think actually one of the first things we did when I arrived, they already had uh, an idea for a lead gen campaign in plan. Uh, so, so there was a plan for that, but 
they had a difficult time executing on it because they didn't really have anyone in the team that had previous experience with lead gen. Now, my background is mostly content and SEO, but, but I've done some uh, some lead gen campaigns. So yeah, I sort of uh, grabbed that and, and, and uh, we tried to execute on it. And in the end, that was the success that we sort of needed to really get things going. Okay, so the stage is kind of set. The company is traditionally sales-led, but you had obviously some people in senior roles or key leadership roles that had, had done some of the groundwork to convince leadership to buy into this idea of doing content and demand gen. And you're jumping in with your first lead gen campaign. So tell us about what you did when you got into the role to set up that first campaign to be a success. I think the first thing really to do is look at goals. Because um, when I came in, they'd already been looking at content. Um, but the first thing we really did was take a step back and say, okay, what do we want to achieve with this? And then the question, of course, is what is our focus for this campaign? So you have the goals. Uh, we need X amount of sales. Then you know how many sales qualified leads you need. And you work back to your marketing qualified leads. And then from there on out, you really start to look at your targeting. Okay, so who are we going to go after? Uh, are we going to go for smaller businesses that we want to push to our web shop where they can buy products themselves? Or are we going for the more complex uh, uh, sales processes where our sales reps have to be involved? And from there on out, you can really start to decide, okay, we, we know our goals. We know the targeting for this campaign. Now we can really start to think about how does content fit into this? What's the content arch you basically need to get someone from um, unaware or problem aware to you know, fully ready to buy? And after that, of course, you have to execute on it. But I think the first thing we did is just sort of take a step back, set up the campaign framework and, and know um, what it is we were working towards. Because I think they had a pretty good idea of, of how they wanted to tackle things. It was just that there wasn't really a direction of where they were going to. And yeah, if you don't have a direction, you can, you can't have success basically. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love that you started at goals and worked your way back. I think uh, that's actually, I'm, I have a blog that's going to come out for a gorilla, I think next week on, on sales enablement and marketing sales alignment. But I think one of the first things I recommend people do is go in their CRM and work your way back from that. And so the fact that you guys started at goals and then reverse engineered it all the way to where you would start at is um, a step I think a lot of marketing managers miss in their in their career. They're just like, let's just let's just go and kind of figure out what the end result looks like later. And so taking that first step um, is uh, by starting at goals and reverse engineering, I think sets you up, sets your tactics up, especially for success, which I, I think was a was a good good approach on your part. So you said that Eric's has nearly seven thousand employees, right? Yes. We're Tell big. me how, Tell me how many people are in the marketing department at, at Eric's. Um, not a lot at this point. Uh, I don't have exact numbers, but uh, I think there we're in the teams, and that's mostly because Eric's was usually a very sales-focused uh, organization. Uh, right. So I, marketing I, I, is really still still getting built up. I know. I know. Priority coming on the show, we we talked back and forth, and you said there was five people focused in in the Netherlands. Um, and I'm curious, like with with a team that small and an organization that big, how do you how do you prioritize and set expectations based on based on that? You obviously have a lot of people who want your time and who want you to uh, and, and and who want you to produce stuff for them. So so where where does prioritizing come into play for you? Um, it's actually not just five people, uh, cause we're five people within the 
fully, uh, who are fully focused on digital marketing. Right, right, right. Um, and then we have some. Uh, then we have teams in the in the countries who work on a combination of, of digital marketing, but they also have a large part to play in communications. So overall, you know, within digital marketing, fully focused on digital, there's five people, but there's yeah a lot more people doing marketing. Okay. Um, I think can I can I just circle back towards what you said on goal setting because I think there's yeah. there's that's that's one of the most valuable lessons in there. Yeah, yeah, please do. No, learned. please. By all means. That's a lesson I learned too late in my career. Marketers or these content marketers and SEOs are addicted to two things: page views and rankings. And you have to quit that addiction because um, that's a horrible metric to look at. What you own as marketing is two things. You own uh, results, so that's revenue, and you own brand, and that's brand awareness and brand perception. And that's where you have to work towards to. Uh, that's where you have to focus on, and that's also where you start. Because I hear a lot of marketers complain about uh, sales not being happy with their leads. They're, they're either too many, where the quality is too low, or there are too few. And that's just all the result of misalignment between marketing and sales. You know, either marketing comes up with a campaign doesn't involve sales or sales set some targets and they don't involve marketing. So I think the, the main thing you can do to set yourself up for success as a content marketer, as a marketer per se, is to start and sit, uh, gather your sales team around the table, sit down together and really say, okay, where do we go? How do we reach it? And how do we work backwards? So you need X in revenue. Okay. Let's just count backwards and see how many opportunities you need, how many meetings do you need, how many sales qualified leads do you need. Then you have the numbers and then you can really start to think about the targeting. And I think that's where a lot of content marketers and SEOs go wrong. And, and I mean, even the brand stuff you can measure. Um, just look at how many uh, branded keyword searches you have. Uh, check your, okay, before the death of first party cookies, which are slowly dying, uh, um, you could still look at, at direct traffic. That's getting harder to gauge. But even then, you know, just buy an audience panel on SurveyMonkey, set up a brand, uh, brand survey every uh, three, four, six months, check your company's awareness, and then you can see if it goes up. So if you're a marketer, you own revenue and brands, period. Okay, so t tell me a bit about being in the digital marketing, the, the digital marketing team for Eric's um, and SEO in particular. You know, you got to lay the land walking in there. They wanted to make this more digital pivot. So, what did you prioritize, and and, and what expectations did you end up setting once you guys got underway? Well, I, th I think what did I prioritize? There was already something there. So uh, that, that was something that I just was able to grasp and work with. Uh, and that was really good because it just allowed uh, myself and also the, the marketing team at large, because that campaign was really an effort of the digital marketing team and all the local marketing teams. I think basically every marketer within Eric's touched it uh, and it turned out to be a really good success. So that's really where we, where we uh, prioritized. Um, and I think setting, setting boundaries, setting guardrails, so to say, um, as Eric's, we position ourselves as a specialist. So the number one uh, guardrail or requirement for any type of content we do is that it showcases that knowledge. So if I would write an article about the applications of an O-ring, uh, I'm not just going to say, oh, there's an O-ring in your coffee machine, there's an O-ring in the chemical factory, and there's an O-ring in your deodorant can. No, I'm going to go to my business unit and I'm going to ask them, okay, tell me about the uses of the O-ring. Then I go to the customers, you know, you talk to them, how do you use it, uh, how do you create it, et cetera, et cetera. 
and then you create that content because you want it to be much deeper than just uh, basically look at, okay, this is what you can use Noring for. So uh, when I think about a campaign, I think there's really two things that you need to get right. And the first is the content and the second is the distribution. So looking at this first campaign that you created in your new role at Eric's, how did you approach content and how did you approach distribution? What do you think you did in those two areas to produce the success that you had? Um, I think content, uh, we, we really focused on the, the specialism we had in-house as Eric's. Um, it, was, it was a campaign focused on an area with a lot of regulation and a lot of our customers struggle with that. Um, because the regulation is pretty complex. It's EU regulation, but not everything is accounted for on a, on a European Union level. So there's also fallback for national rules, which just gets ridiculously complex. And, and at Eric's, we, we've spent a lot of time figuring out that legislation. So what we've done is really sit down with those specialists to really get that information uh, around that legislation out of their heads and onto uh, a paper or a website in this case. And those things aren't even related to our products, but it really allowed us to uh, position ourselves within that market as someone who's very well aware of the regulations and who can really help our customers uh, adhere to that regulation without the headaches they usually have. Um, so I think that was, that was a big success. Um, in, in terms of distribution, well, I have some great colleagues that work in marketing automation and paid, so they work their magic on that. Um, and I think, you know, we, we were pretty successful in distributing the content on LinkedIn because we just hit the nail when it came to the, uh, to the subjects. Um, and also when it came to choosing the right distribution ways, uh, to get things out there on LinkedIn. I love that. That's like, uh, it's a, cause you basically touched on a problem that people had, which was like, there's obviously all this documentation around the regulation of doing this, but people just can't interpret it because it's too technical. You can't put it into plain speak. So to just take that issue that people are having, make it plain speak, and then effectively get in front of them. So you build that topical authority. So it leads to your product. I think it's a pretty smart, smart area to start. Um, I would definitely give you, give you kudos on that. Yeah. I mean, if, if you look at the, um, uh, so I look at content for a campaign as an arch. Mm -hmm. So where you want to start is you want to start sort of at, at the pre-awareness awareness level. And one thing you really do well is sort of trend-based content. So you look at, okay, what's changing in the market? What's happening out there? Uh, we did our own research report. It cost me 100 hours of my life. But in the end, it, it turned out something that was very well received. So we really painted the picture, okay, where's the regulation in the market at? And, and how, do how comfortable do people feel with that? So from there on out, we, we could sort of sketch that it was difficult. Um, and, and that was really the step to say, okay, we offer this report to people, we let them download it. And from there on out, we follow them up with content where we explain uh, the regulations, how you can easily adhere to that, et cetera, et cetera. And then we start talking about the products that are fit for that market. And, and we don't even talk about our products per se, but we just talk about hoses, O-rings, uh, ball valves, et cetera, that are uh, suitable for that market. And only after that, you start to introduce Eric's. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm super, uh, I, I love doing that. I talk about doing that all the time. When, uh, when I talk about industrial content on LinkedIn, about neutralizing your product and just sort of worry about how it applies to the, the, the customer first, and then 
worry worry later about how your specific product for features and benefits is, is better. So I, I love the approach of, of neutralizing your product and just focusing kind of on the category um, and how that serves your, your, your end user. So we've been through a couple of key milestones. One was executive team buy-in, which fortunately was in place for you when you started. The second is how you went about getting success in your first campaign, which I think uh, helped the team gain some momentum. I'm curious, after that, I assume you ran subsequent campaigns and the team started to identify processes and tactics that, that work better and improve the flow of how everything is happening in your marketing department. Can you tell me a little bit about what you learned uh, over the, the year that followed and, and how you might be doing different different things now or doing things differently than you were at the beginning? Well, I think one of the things that I already touched upon was that it was the sales marketing alignment. I mean, we had a goal from sales, but we uh, sort of stumbled a bit on the alignment. We should have involved sales more because um, then sort of you get into trouble with following up leads. And that's something that we've really learned for subsequent campaigns, um, which, which is going a lot better, especially in an organization that is not used to inbound marketing and, and that's just not used to receiving leads um, um, that they have to to work uh, to to close because um, yeah we were used to either reaching out to a customer uh, and they were ready to buy or not and if they were not we wouldn't engage um, or we'd have a potential customer reach out and then follow up on them straight away um, and this is just a different process and and I think that's where a lot of industrial companies are at uh, where they're just not used to this so you really have to um, work with your sales team to really explain to them, okay, how do you approach this? How do you follow up a lead? What should and what shouldn't you do? Um, and also provide them with the material necessary to uh, to nurture that lead. Um, so I think that's one of the things. And in terms of processes, yeah, it's, it's uh, after the first campaign, we ran a subsequent campaign. So that was basically, the campaigns were my life until uh, I'd say mid-March. So um, until last month. And, and since January, we're really working on, on the content strategy, and but also processes. So that's basically looking at how do we want to approach content on a strategic level, uh, how should it service, and also trying to clear um, uh, the blockers. Because if you do content without a strategy, you're basically trying to run a marathon without having any clue where the course is. Uh, so you're just running in the direction and you hope that after a very long time of running, you end up at the finish line. Uh, but honestly, your chances are slim. And if you have a strategy without good processes and the execution, then you do know where the course is, you do know where the finish line is, but there's just concrete blocks and barbed wire around every corner. Uh, and, and the chances of getting to the finish line unscathed are really, really small. So uh, strategy and execution go hand in hand. So yeah, now it's I'm, I'm, I'm heads down into looking at processes when you... Uh, talk about things like creating good content briefings, making sure that you have the right process in place to do uh, content ideation, uh, creating the outlines, but also making sure that before you start creating the content, you know which subject matter experts need to approve and who's going to give input at what times, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, there's, there's processes are, are super important. Oh, MJ. I know MJ loves processes. She thinks, she thinks bad processes be good people. So <laughs> we have a, it's true. I, it's true. I don't. I, I don't disagree. Um, I do love how you uh, really quickly identified the break in your marketing sales alignment and worked and worked to adjust that quickly. Uh, I think that's something that 
uh, some marketers and even in my career early on, I kind of put my head in the sand about that where I would lead gen wasn't a problem, but then I was watching the follow up and it wasn't really working. And I, I waited too long, I think, to really address that. And as I am working with more clients now, noticing that, you know, as they are getting a digital marketing strategy off the ground, their sales team doesn't quite know how to navigate or react to like what marketing is doing and how to prioritize things. And so anybody listening to this show who works in industrial, um, look closely at kind of what your handoff process looks like, what leads you're handing off to sales and then what sales is doing in terms of the expectations afterwards, because, you know, there's a lot of, there's probably a lot of optimization that you can make within that. And I even look at some, some companies who could, in my opinion, utilize more frictionless things like book call apps, call book apps, stuff like that. But um, I, I do like how you were able to quickly identify that and then, and then, yeah. and then work to correct it. Yeah, man, I wouldn't even say look at that. I would say lead that. Yeah. Because if you have a sales team that is not used to doing these things, you cannot expect them to know what to do with an inbound lead. Right. Uh, that comes through a nurture campaign. They, ju they just have no clue. And if you sit around and blame them for not following up, um, well, yeah, sorry, but you supply them with it. They have no clue what to do with it. So you have to help them get the grips with that. And if you can do that, yeah, that makes sense because you're not a salesperson, but then you should hire someone, uh, an agency or a contractor to make sure that that gets done. But you cannot say to sales, oh, here are 50 sales qualified leads. Um, can you uh, report back on me on the follow-up in two months? And uh, yeah, we do need to hit that revenue number. I think it's really impressive that you were able to get through what I see as the first cycle of, of going from not doing digital marketing to full digital marketing maturity, which is you get buy-in, you have a couple of successful campaigns that actually generate demand, and you start to work with the sales team, working out the kinks of what happens when we get these leads, how do we convert them? Um, you got through that whole whole process in a year. I mean, I definitely know industrial companies that take two or three years, three years to, yep. to achieve that much progress. Yeah, it's not. I mean, my experience has not been a fat pro That is not usually a, a quick process for a lot of teams. They usually go through a year just realizing where the, the breaks lie before they even get into trying to correct them. But that's that's also, that's also uh, um, I think it's a testament to the size of the company. That That's mm -hmm. definitely one of the benefits because of, of the size of Eric's um, because we just had people in the organization within sales that were already excited about the prospect of doing um demand gen campaigns and doing inbound marketing campaigns um and it's it's also because we already had systems in place and we already had i mean we really as a as a marketer i really benefited from the connections that the marketers in the countries have with our experts um because that really helped me set up to get connected to the right people and if it would have been just um the, the, the five people within the, the overarching uh, digital marketing department, we would have never gotten there. So um, I, th I think that's like um, the big thing. Yeah. So I want to, I want to ask you this because you've been, you've been doing this now for just over a year at this new company, you know, this new energy around moving to inbound. What's been your, what's been your biggest learning in this 13 month period? Um, that and, and what advice would you give to anybody who's in a similar situation to yours? And I especially want you to think about it, um, 
you know, we don't have a lot of people from Europe on the show, but I definitely know there's people from Europe who listen to this show. Anything you can give in terms of just a, a European perspective on that, I think would be, I think would be a beneficial. Ooh, a European perspective. Well, yes. I don't want to talk about GDPR because that's going to make everyone cry. You can touch um, on it briefly if you want. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's that's GDPR inheritance is number one if you're working within Europe, uh, within your content and your acquisition. Um, I think what's really important is that, that Europe, especially when you go multi-country, um, if you're not focused on one country within Europe, there, there's quite a lot of differences. I mean, over the past year, I've learned that, that Swiss are way more conservative when it comes to leaving their details together with Germans than, than when it comes to, to Dutch or Belgian people. So I think what you really have to take into account is, is cultural differences um, when running campaigns. And these small, subtle differences can, can really make, make a big difference down the line. All right. All right, guys, that was, um, I'm going to try to pronounce this one more time. So you can just, just forgive me if I get it wrong. Yele Schut, who is the um, SEO and content lead for Eric's International. Uh, Yele, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for talking about your, your journey and what you've been doing with Eric's. It's, it seems really exciting and it uh, seems like you guys are really on, really on a good path. Thanks for having me. I'm Jay, man. Absolutely. You can catch the Industrial Marketing Show on all of the major podcasting platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and Google. Please subscribe to the Industrial Marketing Show. Please give us a five-star review. Please leave us a written review. And a special thanks again to our sponsors at BAM Sales Enablement and the Tom Paul and the good people that there. Please check them out. Get a free demo at um, bamsales.io. And for that, I am Matt. And I'm MJ. And this is the Industrial Marketing Show, guys. Thank you all so much for listening another week. Have a great rest of your day.